Welcome to the Access Church Podcast and our Sermon of the Week. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message is an encouragement and a blessing to your life. So that's a uh, summary of the trip. And what we're going to do this morning, we're going to just take time and walk through what we did on the trip and share some testimonies and some stories. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so, Stephen, why don't you give a kind of a quick snapshot of so the what point, we did? Like the purpose of this trip, like the reason why we went was to launch a new church. And this is actually going to be the eighth church that Jesse Comrie uh, has in Uganda. So we partnered with the missionary Jesse Comrie in Global Renewal. And we went to Tororo, Uganda. And uh, the point was to start this church. So what we usually do on these trips is we have crusade services, like large outdoor services. And so in the mornings of the trips, we would do some training with the pastors. And then we would go out into like, the local community and just do some evangelism. We would invite people to come. And we would invite them to the crusade, pray for them, tell them about Jesus. And then in the evenings, we would have like outdoor services. You could see the stage, the large, the large crowds. So we did three nights of those services, and then we had the Sunday where we launched the church. And it was like the point was just to like bring people in to set up the church for success for the future. And when we got there, there was a core group of a couple people that had already been meeting. So that's one of the strategies is they raise up and they equip a pastor and a small team. And then when we go, it's just kind of helping uh, launch the church with the building and, and so forth. And so we're going to just kind of break down some of the areas. You know, the first thing uh, is that Jesse, and one of the things that I love about his heart, if you haven't had the chance to meet him, he'll be with us later this fall uh, for, a, for a weekend service. And then we're going to have a healing service on a Sunday night as well. So I'm looking forward to that. But Jesse says uh, over and over, you know, nothing works without prayer. And so we uh, start with fasting and prayer as a team, and then two hours uh, every morning uh, of prayer on the trip. And uh, why don't you share a little bit about kind of what that looks like as you travel with him. We have some slides that'll be on the screen as well as we walk through this. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, when you hear that we started out with two hours of prayer in the morning, you go like, I don't even know what I would do for two hours praying. And one of the things that I love about Jesse Comrie and how he like teaches prayer and how he does prayer for his teams is that he, he breaks it down into sections that are very, like it makes sense. So what we'll do is we'll do things like we'll pray in tongues for 15 minutes, just crying out to God, or we'll worship for 15 minutes, or we'll read through a passage of scripture and we'll just pray what the scripture says, and we'll just go verse by verse and pray what the Bible says. Or we'll just spend time listening to what God is saying to us. And we break down prayer into these chunks of time where we're doing very specific things. And it helps to like focus us as a team. We stay together. We're focused on prayer. And uh, we, don't, we don't get distracted. And this has really changed my like prayer life just for me on my own. Because it gave me like a, a rhythm to follow like even just studying the scripture, you can like take a, like a chapter in the Bible, spend like 15 minutes, read through it a couple times, and then spend like 15 minutes, just pray through it verse by verse, and then just spend like 15 minutes listening to what God has to say from that passage. And if you do that, like just God's going to reveal details and revelation of the scripture. And just learning that from Jesse from the time spent in prayer has really impacted my life. And like what he said, that nothing happens without prayer. Like if we didn't spend the time in prayer and fasting and preparation or the two hours every day in prayer, like before the trip, we wouldn't see the things that happened. Like it would just be us going out in our own strength. 
But when you spend that time in prayer, you're going equipped already that God has already won the victory. God's already prepared the way ahead of you. And it really like opens up doors that allows you to see miracles and things that you wouldn't see otherwise because you're, you're operating in God's power and God's strength, not your own. And it's really important, you know, we took time for 21 days before. We took time and fasted and prayed and then starting every day with prayer. And I love it. You know, he's got like eight different chunks of time, whether it's 15 minutes of worship, 15 minutes of just reading a chapter over and over and over and getting it into your heart and then praying in the spirit and then also just taking a chapter of the Bible and you read a verse and then you pray that verse and you connect it. It's just a way to keep your prayer life fresh. And that was something that I really uh, loved seeing. And I feel like it's something that I'm going to grow in. And he also said at the very beginning, before we even left, he said, you can win the war beforehand through prayer. And, you know, I didn't realize, but several years ago, well, I think I did realize, but um, I just trusted Stephen and the Lord. You know, Stephen, one of the trips he went, they had killed Christian missionaries, and it wasn't 50 years ago. And so even, you know, going to hostile areas where, uh, you know, the pastor that helps oversee these churches, he visited that church not too long ago and said that some of the people from the community gathered around him and wanted to stone him. So like there are places around the world that you better pray before you go. You better know that God's called you. But you know, when you win the war beforehand in prayer, everything is easy and it's, and it's a joy and it's fun. And uh, we definitely experienced that uh, on this trip. And so that's prayer. Um, one of the highlights for me was, you see on the screen, it says Global Renewal Pastors Training in Prayer. Part of me going was I really have a heart to invest in leaders because it's more than just going and saving the world in three and a half days, right? Mm-hmm. When you can invest in people that are on the ground that are doing the work, to me, that's the best return on the investment. And so I knew that you'll see in this group picture, those are all of the pastors that are part of Jesse's Global Renewal Network in Uganda, and they all pastor churches. Um, some of them are going to be multiplying their churches, which means the initial church has grown to the place where it's going to plant another church. But for me, the highlight was being able to go and to train pastors and to just be able to share uh, with them practical things out of the Bible related to leadership and to pastoral ministry. Jesse is a, uh, has more of like an evangelist kind of apostolic heart. He's not a pastor. But taking time and pastoring pastors to me was just like an absolute blast. What was some of your observations when I you mean, were there? I mean, some of these pastors, it was actually the first time they've ever met each other because they've been in Jesse's network in Uganda, but they're in different parts of the country. So some of them we were talking to, they actually got on like a bus and traveled like 10 hours to get to the church where we were doing this crusade. So for them, it was really cool just to get to meet each other and realize I'm not, I'm not alone in this job. I'm, not, I'm part of this they call their churches the Voice of Hope Renewal. So they're all the Voice of Hope Renewal churches in Uganda. And the pastors coming together, and Pastor Zach's training was amazing. They, they loved it. They were like sitting there taking notes. They like really, really powerful. They're, like, they're going to take that stuff home and make it a part of their churches, make it a part of how they do ministry. And even down to like the little things, you know, I didn't realize how poor this area was when we went. Uh, a lot of these pastors didn't even own a study Bible, and we were able to give them study Bibles. I went to give out journals from our church the one day, and some of them didn't even have like journals to write notes. And like they're sitting, 
like for hours on the edge of their seat, just writing down every single word that we're teaching and talking about with pastoral ministry. That was incredible to see. Um, we blessed them all with bikes. I know we talked about that as a church. And uh, I didn't realize, you know, one of the guys rode on a bus 20 hours to get there. So we didn't actually physically hand them a bike. I didn't realize that. But we, we surprised them and shared with them. And then the bikes were sent to where they were from. But they were so blessed. You should have saw their faces when on day one, uh, we announced that and shared it with them. So that was kind of the pastor's training and the time that we spent with them. And uh, I believe we have a video that I want to share with you of, this was kind of the first, beginning of the first day, Jesse took time and kind of modeled the prayer model with them. And we have a video clip of, of just the pastors praying. In heaven, and whatever that they shall bind here on earth shall be bound in heaven. Lord, today we have made pronouncement over all of them, my God. And we believe that our supplication has reached unto your God. And in the name of Jesus Christ, we continue to declare it, my Father, that no amount of. So, in this circle, you know, there's a pastor that we've built his church, and he didn't know that it was us, and I never talked about it there. But that was a special thing for me. The pastor I was praying actually is Pastor Anthony. The trip I went on in February was the trip to Hoima. That was the trip that we, Access Church, paid for the building. Yeah. So, the one that was praying in that video was the pastor of the church that we paid for their building in February. There was another church that had their roof just completely damaged, and all of their stuff was stolen, and we were able to send the funds to do that. And so for me, it was just kind of cool to think, like, they don't know that we did it, and I'm not going to tell them that we did it, but it's just kind of cool. Like, you know, God's bringing us together to meet, and it was really special uh, to me to be able to see that. You know, the fervency that these guys prayed, this was before one of the crusade services, but we gathered in the church to pray. And one thing that really stood out to me, it was actually that guy in the video. I walked by him, and the ground that he was standing on was soaked in tears, I mean, it looked like somebody dumped water on the ground. And that was the fervency and the passion that he just stood there and lifted his hands to the Lord and was like crying out in prayer. And that was something that uh, I definitely uh, will remember. And going on a couple of these trips, I've heard Jesse Comrie say a couple times that like the strength of the church internationally is often prayer. That these pastors, they may not even own a study Bible. They may not have the like formal theological training and understanding like the knowledge of the Bible, but they know how to pray. Yeah. They know how to seek God. They know how to pour out their lives and just depend on God in prayer. And oftentimes that's more powerful than knowing all the things in the Bible. Yeah. When you're in that moment, when you're fully dependent on God, where you pour out your heart to him and just passionately pray, God moves through you and God moves through these pastors. They see amazing things in their churches, but they may not have the education that we have. And we had the opportunity as well to work with some local pastors that were not far from that area. And I'll tell you what, you can tell the difference. You know, there was a couple of guys that we were working with that um, you just could tell they didn't walk with God to the degree that the pastors that Jesse and Pastor Emma are training and equipping. And uh, that you can even tell on the foreign field, you just can dis- discern the difference between people that are just doing it because that's what they do and then people that are passionate about it and they're pers- kind of putting their whole life on the line. 
And so to me, that was awesome being able to do uh, the training and uh, they had begged that we get it transcribed in their language. So we're kind of working on that. Um, There's different language barriers and, and stuff like that. But let's talk about the Crusades because that was uh, incredible, the three nights of Crusades. Yeah, the, um, so what, what we did before, like the Crusades, do you want to talk about evangelism first or do you want to? Oh yeah, we'll do, sorry, okay. we'll do evangelism. So let's go back to the evangelism. What we did after the training is we would go just walk around the church. What we, so the church was in the city of Tororo, but like it was kind of like in the middle of nowhere, really. So we like, our hotel was in the city of Tororo and then we would drive like 30 minutes on a dirt road to get to where this church was. So like when I first got to the church property, I was like, there's no way we're going to have a lot of people at these church, like at these services because... I thought the same thing. Yeah, we're it like, was where just are the like, people? There's a church in like a bunch of fields and then there, there's a school building like next to it, but there's really not a lot in the area. So when we would go out and do like outreach in the community, we, we would take some of the translators, some of the pastors with us, and we would just go to people's houses. And... You can see in the pictures, they would like pull up chairs, invite us to come sit down, bring out their entire family and like want to listen to us. And we would just go up to them. We would ask them if like, if they knew Jesus. And Uganda is like a primarily Christian country. So a lot of people have heard about Jesus, but they might've heard of him from the Catholic church or the state Anglican church. So a lot of these people, they heard the name of Jesus, but they didn't know him. They didn't have that personal relationship. And so when we started talking about Jesus, they were excited. They wanted to hear more. We could share about like, what Jesus did. He came and died for us. Even something as simple as like John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he sent his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Like, that might be the first time that that became real to them, that they understood that. And honestly, it felt like every single person that we shared the gospel with accepted Christ. They were so hungry. They were so eager to hear. It was amazing just to go to people's houses. They they were inviting. They were welcoming. And just be able to spend time with them, share the gospel with them. Something that really stood out to me there was, you know, when you talk about the Bible, they have a little bit of a reference related to the Bible, but they don't have the Bible. They know a little bit about God, right? Right. But as soon as you start talking about Jesus or say, have you ever been born again? It's like off the radar. And, And I honestly think there are a lot of people that are that way even in our community. They know a little bit about the Bible. They know a little bit about God. They go to church as a, as a duty, but they're not saved. Like they don't have a relationship with Jesus. So like talking about worship earlier, that would be like foreign to them. They just, it's something you do. Like, you know, you go to the gym and you do all these other things. You just do Christianity, but they're not, people, a lot of people aren't Christian. So as soon as you start talking about Jesus, and then he comes into your heart, and then he changes you from the inside out, and that God is a good God, that he's not here to punish you, but he's, he's a good God. You know, people are just so open to that. And last week, I said a lot of times people aren't Christians because they've met a Christian before, right? That sometimes we don't give them a good representation of the gospel, And so when you hear us talk about this kind of thing, don't just disconnect it like, well, that's in Africa, and they don't have a clue there. A lot of people here don't have a clue. They know the Bible, they know about God, they go to church, but they don't have a relationship with Jesus, and that's our heart is to be able to reach them. Why don't you share a story? Oh, yeah, there was this one really cool moment when we were going out to people's houses. So we walk up to this one house, and 
the husband's like working in his field, like doing something off on the side. We weren't exactly sure what. So we were talking to his wife. And we share the gospel with her. We explain everything. And we ask her if she wants to accept Christ. And she says, oh, no, I can't do that because we would have to stop the work that we're doing. And so we find out that her husband's actually over in her field. like He's like making drugs as like we're sharing the gospel with the wife. So we go over to the husband, and we just start talking to him. We share the gospel with him. And he's like super excited. He wants to hear it. And like even like while I was talking to him, he's like still working, still making his drugs. But I get to share the gospel with him, and he chooses to accept Jesus. He just decides that that's what he wants. He wants to have that relationship with Jesus, to accept Jesus as his Savior. And that was like one second earlier, he was like making drugs in his field. And um, after the husband accepted the Lord, the wife realized, oh, I guess this is something we can do as a family. And she accepted Jesus as well. And we were able to explain to them that like God would provide a way for them, that they didn't have to do this for a living. And it was just really cool to see a family go from like actively making drugs to accepting Jesus in just a couple minutes. And it was awesome. The, uh, yeah. The picture in the corner, uh, I was with Nathan that one of the days, and Nathan is an evangelist from Germany. And so we went over to this area, and a lot of the huts that you see on the screen, like families, extended families, they all kind of live together. It's interesting that in, you know, in the U.S., we basically put people in nursing homes. But when you go around the world, like families take care of each other. They live together. And you know, there's graveyards in a lot of these places where they bury family, and it's kind of weird. You know, the kids are playing next to a grave, but they all take care of each other. And so we went, and they start pulling out all the blue chairs. Everybody has blue chairs for some reason, but, and we sit down, and what stood out to me there is that the, the father, as soon as he told the family, you know, we walked in, and he's like, everybody come. And man, as soon as the father said it as the leader, Everybody in the family, everybody in the extended family, they all came and we just sat down and we took time and shared the gospel with them. And every person in that family that heard the gospel responded. Every person was like super open in their heart. They all stood up. We laid hands on them. We prayed for them. And then there was a lady, I don't know if she's on uh, here. Oh yeah, the bottom right-hand corner. That lady hadn't walked in five years. She literally comes out of the hut. She's got just a messed up body. And she like scoots over and sits in the circle and uh, we prayed for her and believing that the Lord's going to touch her. We didn't see the manifestation of that healing, but for five years, hasn't been able to walk and she just lives on the ground. But every person in that family uh, received Christ and it was just so awesome. The second or third day, we went out to this mining area and I'm going to show you a video clip of Stephen. He was uh, praying for someone and leading them to Christ. You'll see it here, and then he can describe a little bit about that area. Go ahead. That you would transform their lives. And empower them to be a witness for you. So why don't you tell them about what was going on in that area? So there's these like giant rock formations in this area that are, they look really cool. They're just rocks stacked up in the middle of nowhere. Like, I don't know where they came from, but they're there. But these people, um, one of the things they do to make a living is they, they smash up these rocks into smaller rocks. So they're out there all day with a hammer, 
just breaking up these rocks into like gravel or small like fine pieces to use in construction. And we asked them like, how much do these people make? And they're like, maybe like $50 a month. But they're out there all day smashing up rocks with a hammer. And so we got to go to where these people were working and just share the gospel with them. And the people in that, there was two men there that were working that were not born again. We were able to lead them to the Lord. There was several other people that were working that we led to the Lord in that area. But just to be able to go and where they're working, as they're working, be able to share with them was really cool to see. And even the one time Anthony was with us, like the guy wasn't paying attention. And so Anthony got his hammer and started breaking his rocks so the guy would sit there and listen. But they were super open to the gospel. And, you know, part of me is like, what else are you going to do the rest of your life? Like you're breaking rocks, right, with a little hammer. But that's their life. And that's what they're doing. And they're working hard, you know. Um, Western work ethic's like a whole nother thing. Like we, we want to enjoy work. But, you know, places around the world, they're just trying to eat, you know. And here they are burning. They build a fire on these big rocks to get them to crack. And then they just start breaking them into pieces. And so it's kind of cool just being able to go out where we ever, wherever we could find people. I was talking to one of the guys about deer. And uh, he, he didn't know what, what a deer was. And I was trying to describe hunting. So I showed him a picture. And he looks at it and he goes, oh, they climb trees? <laughs> but, you know, they just don't have, you know, you, you show on the phone, like, you know, somebody's face and they're like, my face is on the phone. You know, it's just awesome to be able to see. So we had the opportunity to just go out uh, door to door and pray for the sick. You know, we prayed for several people that the Lord just touched their bodies like right away and visibly they could do things that they couldn't do before. And so then we would also invite them uh, to the crusades. So you'll see a picture uh, of the crusade. And uh, this was unique, I believe. Was this the first time that you were on a trip where the crusade was on the property of the church? So the first trip I did, the one in Yumbe, the crusade was on the church property, okay. but it was a lot smaller. We didn't have the big fancy stage. We had a stage that was like assembled by like wooden boards nailed together, and you felt like you were going to fall off of it every time you went <laughs> on it. But, so this was the crusade, and we were blown away. Like, like Stephen said, when we got there the first day, I'm thinking, like, where are people going to come from? Because there's not a whole lot here. But they then, probably walked like 45 minutes to an hour, some of those people, to get there. Yeah, I mean, that one lady in a wheelchair wheeled herself there somehow. Yeah, I have no um, idea how far away she lived. Yeah. So this is the crusade, uh, the three nights. And uh, why don't you share maybe... Well, actually, we'll show a video of the worship. We didn't... There was... We didn't know any other worship the entire time except one part of a song. And so I think that's the video clip that we have. Because I pulled out my phone. I'm like, oh, I know this. (laughs) You're the most high God. Now picture that music. Now all the songs sound the same. So picture that audio for two straight hours. Two hours, right? Is it's that an also, exaggeration? Also, also cranked up as loud as those speakers will possibly go. I put in earplugs, <laughs> but I only had pink ones, so I was kind of like trying not to... <laughs> Yeah, two yeah. hours of that. Um, yeah. They get so excited about it. I mean, you see them dancing around and moving, and like that's just the way that culturally that they worship, that they get, they move, they dance, they sing, and it's, it's really fun to be a part of. 
feel a little awkward trying to dance sometimes, but like you do it, and yeah. you, like you have fun. But and so the worship was about two hours, right? So they would, and as it went, you know, people just kept gathering, you know, and kept gathering, 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 <laughs> and then eventually. Um, they shifted gears and somebody would share the gospel. And now the whole time, everybody's standing, you know? So like people are standing, what, about four hours, three I mean, four yeah, hours? We, we would start like 4.30 and it was probably close to like 8, 8.30 when we were completely done. And so, you know, um, enjoy your seat. <laughs> <laughs> so they're standing, you know, the whole time they're worshiping, they're going into, Jesse spoke one night, Nathan spoke another, and then Pastor Emma, who's kind of the point leader of the pastors in that area shared the gospel. And uh, why don't you share so, a little bit about that? Yeah, your... one thing about the services is they just keep getting bigger and bigger each night. So like the first night, it was like relatively small, maybe like 400, maybe three, 400 people. Second night was probably closer to 1,000 people. And the third night was probably like 13, 1,400 people. And just when they preach the gospel on like the stage like that, they give an altar call for salvation. It's just a, if you've never seen that like response, it's amazing to see when hundreds of people decide to give their lives to the Lord for the first time in like a large crowd like that. They're like waving their hands and coming to the front. And we have a video clip. Of yeah, that let's that show that show. video. So that's one of the pastors leading them in a prayer of salvation in their local language. But we were just able to see, like, probably for between the three nights, it was probably about three to 400 people who gave their lives to the Lord in these crusade services. And it was really, really amazing. We were able to pray with some of them. And then the goal is that they get connected with the local churches. And that's why we were working with local pastors as our translators. And, I mean, we have the church that is there on the property and that, that's why we do these services, so that we can launch the church. They already have a body of believers that are part of their church. And one of the things that I loved, even as we went village, you know, through the village, they would write down people's names, where they live, so that they could follow up and go back and invite them to church and stuff. And so the pastors are really sharp when it comes to that. Um, after people received Christ, we would take time and pray for the sick. And there were many times on this trip, and this was, I think, something maybe newer compared to some of the other crusades, that there was a lot of demonic activity in the area. And so we have different videos, and we were trying to figure out without, like, creeping people out on, on a Sunday morning. But there was, there were, it was often that there were people that were demonized. And just as we believe that God's power saves us, right? The power of God at work in somebody that's demonized sets them free. And you see the physical manifestation of that. And I'm going to show you one clip that took place. A lot of it actually was as they would carry people off into the building. We would minister to them. And people that were, were severely demonized, oppressed, were set free. And they were like totally different people. But one of the examples I'm going to show you was in the crowd. And what you're going to see is one of the pastors is walking through and he's going to lay his hands on a young person. As soon as he did, I was actually standing on the stage when this happened, so I was able to get it on video, but as soon as he laid his hands on this young person, this person was demonized, and they started spinning. And so you're going to see this person spinning, and you're going to see a whole bunch of people running from them. And then they, they kind of usher him off to the side, and then the people kind of get back to the middle. 
But as soon as just the insanity of this kid running around, he ran off to the side and he sat down. And the story in the Bible to me like came alive of the man that was demonized. And when he was set free, the Bible says he was naked, right? But then he was clothed and in his right mind. And so the awesome part of this was I got to see the insanity of like this person being set free. And then they ru- he rushes off to the side and he sits down and his disposition would be like any other teenager in our church, like right now, just perfectly normal, perfectly at peace, a different person. And it happened like that quick. So you're going to see the video of this taking place. It's going to be on the lower left-hand side near the guy with the blue hat. Turn the audio up. So this kind of stuff happened, there were several times it was happening during the group services, but then it was also happening a lot just one-on-one as we were praying for people Sunday morning and uh, taking time to minister. Um, you guys saw the video earlier, there was that lady that was laying in the blue dress at the back of the building. She was somebody that was demonized and Jesus set her free and uh, Stephen will share a little bit more about that. And so that was kind of the crusade services, what, what those look like. And then at the end of the, the night, Jesse did some giveaways. Yeah, so during the that. day, we would give out, like, as people were coming into the service, we would hand out, like, raffle tickets, like the rip off one half. We give them half and we keep the other. And so everyone had their little tickets at the end of the night. And we would give out, um, each night we gave out 15 bags of food. And it was like, two scoops of rice, two scoops of sugar, two scoops of beans, and like a bar of soap. But like these people were excited about it. And like for them, it was a big deal. And we would also give out some soccer balls. And then like the big ticket prize, we gave out two bicycles every night. So people were really excited about the bicycles. And they stuck around at the end of service just waiting for these giveaways, hoping to win a bicycle. And I think some of that was what drew people to the services. They knew we were giving away stuff. Like, Jesse Comrie does it because he knows that, like, people are drawn to that. People need that in the community. He wants the church to be something that, that gives to the community, not just takes from the community. There was one night, it was so crazy at the end when we gave the bike that, like, this lady literally walks off the stage, and there was a mo- motorcycle there that we had her get on, and she holds the mo- bicycle on her back, and they kind of go off into the night. But, like, people were just going crazy because they don't have anything. The one night we were uh, talking to the officers, Uh, there was an officer or two that was helping with security, and the one guy asked us for a Bible. And so we went in the car, and we gave this police officer a Bible, and I'm not kidding, like, he literally took it, and he's like, 
oh my gosh. And he like hugs it and he's jumping and he's excited. And it's like a Bible. But they don't have Bibles, you know? And we were able to see. Anything else you want to share about? Well, after those services. So then the next day, the Sunday, we dedicated the building and then Pastor Jesse or Jesse. Uh, prayed and kind of commissioned the pastor. So you'll see the picture of Pastor Emma's in the blue shirt, I believe. Jesse's in the middle and then the pastor of the local church. And so we prayed and commissioned the pastor uh, that day, gave of worship that day. So let's go ahead and share that. And so there were about, by the time service was like, and uh, just kind of released him. Their worship is fun because, like, we have, like, a whole band up here doing music and everything, but oftentimes they have one person on a keyboard who's doing everything. Just playing the song, playing bass with one hand, playing the melody with one hand. Then they'd use the little drum feature on the keyboard to do the beats, and so they, they just go through all the songs that they know, and, and, like, people come up and dance and help lead sing. They often have, like, ten singers on stage, and it's, it's a really fun worship time. And so that morning, uh, Pastor Emma shared the word, and he talked about just the detail that God knows everybody as an individual. And he shared just an excellent message. And at the end of his message, he, he calls a lady out that's there, and he says, why don't you come forward? And he has this young lady standing on the stage, and he basically said to this young woman, he's like, as I'm preaching, I can just see it in your eyes. And he basically, why don't you share a little bit about what he said? Well, his prophecy was funny because like culturally there's just a difference in the way that he gave it. But what he said was, I know that you have no friends and even nobody likes you. Your mother doesn't like you. Your father doesn't like you. We're all like. So we were making fun of him for how he gave the prophecy. But it was actually really powerful because this lady was kind of an outcast in her community which and we didn't know for two days. No, so we, like we, we were teasing this. him for two days about this. <laughs> like you brought a teenager on the stage and said, you have no friends. <laughs> but then two days later, we're out with him and he gets a text message from this person. And I forget exactly what it says, but it basically was like her, she was abandoned by her family and she went to work for someone and they... As a housemaid. As like a housemaid and they like kicked her out and they wouldn't pay her and... It, like basically everything he was saying was completely true, and it was really powerful, like confirmation of the prophecy that Pastor Emma gave to this lady. She even referenced like a family member that she was living with, and it got so bad that the person tried to dump hot oil on her. And so here he is, like calling her out in service, and we're all teasing him, like I can't believe you said that in front of people. And then two days later, he gets the story, and he's like perfectly on point with exactly. And it was just awesome to me to see him preach the word about God knows every detail, and then God demonstrates it in the middle of the service. And that was a powerful uh, moment. So what we did after this is we, this is the first time Jesse did this, he decided that he was going to do water baptisms. Now, we had looked earlier in the week for some water, and there was a watering hole that there were a bunch of animals near it, which means that it was a bathroom hole too. And as soon as, so the goal here was, you'll see a video clip before, Jesse shares with them Sunday morning about baptism, and then we start coordinating this, so you'll see this video clip. 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father we too might walk in a new life. So when we put you under the water it symbolizes that you're dying to your old life. That your old life is dead. The old sinful life is gone. And when, and when we raise you up out of the water, it symbolizes that you're being raised into a new life. A new life in Christ. So we had asked for probably a day and a half to find a bus because we knew there were going to be a bunch of people. And then we get there Sunday morning and there's no bus. So we had a car with a couple seats and about five seats in a van and all of those people. I think so it was 78 people, 78 total people. that were baptized that night. And so what we did is we shuttled 78 people 15 minutes away, got them out, and they stood out there and waited until we got all of the people down. And then the next clip you're going to see is the pastor is praying over the water. And part of this is... Only God knows what is in the water here. So Jesse steps to the edge, and he's like, dude, there are leeches in here. There were so many leeches in this water that by the time he got out, his legs were dripping in blood. His feet were, and he's like, all for Jesus. You know, he's picking leeches off of himself the whole time during these baptisms. But before that, the pastor prayed uh, over the water. So you'll see that clip. It's beautiful there. All right. <laughs> so then they go down into the water, and I was like, you know what? I got photos on this one. No. <laughs> no. Uh, one of the things that I love is he uses the local people because there's this whole kind of Western thing like we go and the Americans are the superheroes. But people that I, I really see in ministry that I respect like him, they all work through the local people that are going to be there. And so he has the local pastor of the church down there in the water with Pastor Emma and they're baptizing people uh, over and over again. And Stephen's going to share just kind of one story because you hear 78 and you're like, that's a lot of people. But he'll share uh, a story, and we'll show you a couple pictures of one of the ladies. So there were some really cool moments where we were talking about people that were demonized earlier. If you want to go to the next slide, I believe. It's, yeah, so this lady, her name was Susan. But she showed up at the church one of the days before the crusade services. And we were able to minister to her. And we probably ended up casting like four or five demons out of this lady she came in a wheelchair. She was crippled. She couldn't really walk. But as we, learned, we were like learning her story, she actually, um, someone tried to poison her. Like, it turns out in this area, there's a lot of like disputes over like land and territory. They say so, that five people are killed every day in this area, and a lot of it's over property. So this lady, someone was mad at her, whatever reason, they, they poisoned her food, and she was like, that's one of the reasons why she's in such a crippled state is that someone would try to kill her. 
And as a result of that, like it opened her up to some sort of a demonic attack. We were able to pray for her, set her free from those demons that were tormenting her. She accepted the Lord. She was at the church service. She wanted to be baptized. And just to see the transformation in her life over the, like the couple days that we were there was really cool to see. We were able to, she was part of the baptisms. There's a video of her dancing in the service. I think we could show that video. And before that, like we took time and prayed for her because her legs weren't working. And it was like, we're praying and it's like one area at a time. And so something that was really interesting was like there were people that had some demonic stuff that was going on and it was manifesting in their bodies. And so like they couldn't move an arm and you'd pray for an arm and all of a sudden they could move the arm, but then the leg was paralyzed. I'd never seen that before, but it was almost like the physical ailment. You could receive healing in one and then another area wouldn't move. And then it was just kind of, so we took a lot of time and prayed with her and their one leg started moving, but then eventually the other, uh, as much as we prayed, uh, she did not receive healing in that area. So when she came, she was in the wheelchair, and this guy just kind of like scoops her up like a big football out of the wheelchair and just carries her out into the water and sets her down. And so the, the next video is you're going to see her worshiping uh, the, ne- the next night. We have another story Stephen's going to share about another uh, lady that was set free. So yeah, there was probably like four or five of these like examples of people that came that were under demonic attack. They were demonized, that we cast demons out of them, and then they were baptized and accepted the Lord. And if you just want to go to the next one, this lady in the blue dress that we're playing for here, she was at the church service, and um, that was that Sunday morning of right before the baptisms. Like at the end of service, there was some time of ministry and we, we were praying for her and we ended up casting a demon out of her during the service. And she decides to get baptized maybe like an hour later and become part of the church. And then we also have a video of her just worshiping in the church that we can show. But just to be able to see the transformation of these people's lives, to go from a state where they're, they're demonized, they're tormented, and they're completely set free, and then they accept Christ and are filled with the Spirit and are able to be a part of these churches. It was, it was amazing to see it. There's probably like four or five of these stories. And you'll see another video, you can play it, of this lady worshiping the next day on the left-hand side. The last area that we want to talk about is the, towards the end of the trip, we had the opportunity to go to the church in Kampala, which is the big city. And Pastor Emma is, is the pastor there. Um, and he is basically the pastor to the pastors. A lot of the pastors that lead these churches have been raised up in his church and then are sent out from his church to pastor churches. There's, I believe, at least two that are already in the pipeline with new places that they're going to go. And so I had the opportunity to share uh, that day at the church. And even there at the very end, as we started praying for people, immediately there were people that you know started manifesting, that were set free. 
we took time and prayed for people to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And there was a lady that was behind me that she hadn't received her prayer language and wasn't filled with the Spirit. And so I went over and started talking to her. And at that point, they clear all the chairs out, and it's a concrete floor. And so I'm just sharing with her, and I'm praying, and I'm, I lay my hands on her. And she's not receiving like her prayer language. She's not being filled with the Holy Spirit. So we pray a couple times, and then I said to her, I said, you know what? Everything that the Holy Spirit does, he does in a way that glorifies Jesus. So I said, as the worship team comes, or as the worship team worships, just worship from the very depths of your heart. And I believe as you do that, the Holy Spirit, you'll be filled with the Spirit, and you'll receive your prayer language. So that's kind of what I do. And uh, I turn around, and I go back into worshiping, and I look back, and literally, she's like, has her hands in the air, and I can tell like she's being filled with the Holy Spirit, and she literally goes from a vertical position straight back, and her head is like, boom, on the floor. (laughs) And like a couple of us walk over, and it was like she didn't miss a heartbeat. She just keeps worshiping. She keeps praying in the Spirit like perfectly fine. She gets up later. She's normal. It was almost like God just protected her body because, I mean, you imagine going like this, flat back, head on the concrete, and it was like nothing had happened. And uh, we've met pastors on the field before that have been assaulted, one for 15 minutes. Was it Pastor Solomon? Pastor Solomon, Pastor Solomon, who's been here, was clubbed for 15 minutes as he was assaulted on the mission field. Like people thought he was dead, pretty much. But the Lord protected his body from even experiencing the pain for 15 minutes. And so God can do amazing, powerful things. But to me, that was just, it blew me away uh, when I saw that. What stood out to you about the church? I mean, the church is really cool because I've been there like three times now. And so I've got to meet some of the, the leaders that Pastor Emma is training to be like the pastors of these churches. So on this trip, the person that was the keyboard player at the the crusade services, he came and was like part of the worship team, but he's actually being trained to be a pastor of another church. So he's probably going to go to be a pastor of a church in Kenya that Jesse wants to start. So as a part of like, it's really cool to see the process of how Pastor Emma has his church in Kampala, the capital city, and where he trains up leaders and he, he equips them, he spends time with them, and the goal is to send them out and to start new churches. So like Jesse Comrie has plans to do another church in January, another church in September next year. So this is an ongoing process where they want to keep planting these churches. And they've all been successful, which is amazing to see that they all grew. We found out last Sunday, which this was awesome, this blessed both of us, that the church actually doubled in size last Sunday. So there were twice as many people there last Sunday than were there the week that we were there, which was awesome. Yeah, I don't know how you fit and, 300 people yeah, there. I mean, and so that's what, that's what you want to see happen. You don't want to see a huge crowd because the Americans are there and then you leave and it's like there's nobody left. And so that to me was just an awesome sign that the church is off to a great start. And then we also went to the rescue home. You've heard a lot. and We've been part of the rescue home in India, but there's a rescue home in Kampala as well. And we had the opportunity to go uh, and be there for just a little bit. There are 18 uh, young ladies that live at the, at the rescue home. And uh, what Jesse does there is that they have sewing machines and girls come and they can learn a trade. So they learn to make bags, they learn to 
make clothing, and then they, they're about 20 minutes, 30 minutes from the city, they ride on these scooters to the city, and there's a little storefront there where they sell their merchandise. But the idea is that kids that are homeless or abused or abandoned can come, have a place to live, receive the gospel, be able to go to church, but eventually be able to learn a trade so that they can provide for themselves. And uh, we met one of the young ladies, and you, you want to share about her story? Um, yeah. I can so, share it too if you don't remember. I know. I, I okay. think I remember it good enough. But there's this one lady that she's been there for a couple years now, and I didn't meet her when she first came, but they said that she was really depressed when she when first like rescued her out of the situation she was in. She, she didn't smile. She like wouldn't look you in the eye because the situation that they rescued her out of she was actually abused by her brother and her father at home. And she, she was pregnant and she was kicked out of the family. So she was abused by... Her dad by, got her pregnant. Yeah, her dad got her pregnant and they kicked her out of the family. So she was homeless, living on the street. And they were able to bring her to be a part of this house. And she, was, she learned about Christ. She accepted Jesus. She like, learned to trade. And she's the girl in the pink dress in that picture there. She actually like, made that dress herself. And she was like, talking to us. She was real excited about like, the fashion design that she was doing. And she was there in the home. And like, it really gave her a life where she would have been homeless and living on the streets with nothing before. So like, the rescue home took her out of that terrible situation, taught her how to do this. And now she's able to provide for herself. But even this rescue home, like that picture, that's the kitchen that they use for 18 people, and there's two babies. We asked if we could go in the bedroom of one of them, and there were four mattresses on a concrete floor and about 10 dresses hanging on the wall. Like, that's what they have. And they're so grateful to have a place that's safe and secure, and they're, they're able to eat and learn a trade. Um, and so we talked about getting them bunk beds and stuff while we were there. And that's another area that they really want to grow the ministry to be able to rescue girls as well that are trafficked like, um, like they do in India. And so that's kind of a snapshot of the trip. And, uh, you know, I, we're not going to receive an offering or anything like that. But I did want to tell you that, you know, to buy property, build a building, do the crusade, get the pastor started with Bibles, chairs, sound, the whole thing. It's just under $30,000. That's amazing that you can do that. Buying property, building a building, doing a crusade, getting a pastor started, all the supplies that they need. And that's what we've been part of in the past. And uh, I believe in the future we'll be able to do, do more. And uh, that to me was just incredible to see uh, the fruit of what we've been part of uh, over the years. And uh, any other takeaways you want to share? For me, these trips are really just a moment where you get to see the Bible come alive in just like a real way. Mm. So like even something so simple as like the Great Commission, where like Jesus says, like, go into all the world and preach the gospel and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And like these signs will accompany those who believe. Like you'll lay hands on the sick and they'll be healed. You'll cast out demons. Like, that's something that was 100% real on this trip. We saw all of those things happen. Yeah. We went to this city of Tororo, and we would preach the gospel. We told them about Jesus. We baptized people to be a part of this new church that, to commit their lives to the Lord. We lay hands on the sick, and we saw people who were healed. We cast out demons. 
And just the simple act of obedience to what God told us to do just opened up the door for those things to happen. And for me, like going on trips like this, just seeing the Bible become so real. And like, there's no way you can deny that what we saw was true. Yeah. And I had uh, intended, I have a couple slides and uh, a short message that I wanted to share this morning, but here's what we're going to do. I'm going to share that and expound on it more next week, because that's actually the text that I was going to use this morning. But one of the things is that every disciple is called to make disciples. And so if you're a follower of Christ, you're called to make disciples, to reach, to pray, to come alongside people. Because if, if you hear these type of stories, the easy thing is put a check in the plate and send somebody else to go do it. That's not my heart as a pastor. Not even close. I don't think you have to choose between doing it in our community and sending money so that somebody else can do it in another place. I think you can do both at the same time. But a lot of times there's a huge disconnect because you hear about that and it's like, man, someday maybe I'll have the opportunity to do that. But tomorrow's Monday and you're going to go into a work environment. Some of you are going to go home after church into a home environment where people don't know Christ. And what God does in one place, he can do in any place. What he does in one person, he can do in any person. And so my heart next week is what I want to do is just show you from the Bible and kind of break that down because I don't want there to be a disconnect between the miracles that we see around the world and say, man, thank you, God, that you're doing it around the world. But we miss the place that God has called us to, which is right here in our community. I love doing it there but I want to see more and more of it here. Amen? Amen. And before we close, one of the real practical ways uh, that you can grow, you know, as a pastor, your heart is to equip people, right, for the work of the ministry, that we, like a coach, you equip people with the tools. One of the tools that we have, uh, even today after service, is Pastor Jonathan Schrock is leading a group this fall on how do you share your faith with someone, And then how do you share your faith with someone of a totally different belief system? There are a lot of people that grew up in different religions. How do you understand where they're coming from, what they believe? And then how do you articulate the gospel with them in a way that's going to make sense and connect with their belief system? Jesus isn't one of many ways to God. He's the only way to God. But there are a lot of people that believe in the end it all just works out. And as you communicate your faith, you have to be able to articulate it in a way that it's exclusive, that in accepting Christ, you're denying all of this other stuff that you used to believe. And so Jonathan has taken time to really study various religions and backgrounds that people are in, even in our community, and then to equip us on how do you share your faith with a Muslim? How do you share your faith with someone that's Hindu? How do you share your faith with someone that's an atheist? How do you share your faith with somebody that thinks they're a Christian because they go to church, but they're not born again? And so that's an awesome opportunity for you. And uh, I believe today, after service, downstairs, they're going to be meeting. Lunch is provided. He's also going to be summarizing the last two weeks of what they've started with. And I want to encourage some of you, that's a way for you to grow and dive a little bit deeper. It's just a practical uh, resource that we have for you. Amen? So we're going to dive back into this more next week. I'm really looking forward to it. And I might share another story or two in my message as we talk about the Great Commission. Let's stand together. Sorry. Yeah, sorry.
Father, I thank you for every person that's here today. I'm going to invite our leadership team. They're going to come forward and make themselves available around the front. Father, I pray for every person, Lord, that's here today. Lord, we see what you're doing around the world. And Father, we're thankful for the part that we have to play. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunities that you've put in front of us, the resources to be able to get behind what you're doing to advance the kingdom around the world. But Father, we can win the world and lose at home. And Lord, our heart is to reach people in our community, in our town, in our home, in our work. And Father, I pray that you would take, Lord, the stories that were shared today, and Lord, that you would inspire us to believe that what you did in Terraria, Uganda, you can do in State College, Pennsylvania. What you do in other people's lives, Father, you can do in people's lives that we interact with throughout the week. And Father, I pray for next Sunday, Lord, as I open the word and share about the unique part that we play in the Great Commission. Father, I pray that you would birth within each one of our hearts that, Lord, as a disciple, we're called to make disciples. We don't entrust that to the church. We don't entrust that to the pastor. But, Father, we see the part that we play in reaching the lost that is in our community. And, Father, I thank you that our church is going to be a place where people are thoroughly equipped to be able to share and articulate the gospel and that our hearts are filled with your spirit and with faith to believe that as we pray for the sick, that their bodies can be made whole, that people can be set free. Thank you, Lord, that your word says that these signs shall follow them that believe. Father, I pray that there would be signs, wonders, and miracles that follow our lives as we put you first and we do, God, what you've called us to do where you've called us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find us online at scaccesschurch.com or on any social media platform. Have a blessed week.